Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, a fine well, evening to you, Dennis. And to you, Monsieur Eric. That is my name. Yes. Sexy beast. Welcome to happy hour number 26. Do you know what that means? We've done 24 of them? No. 26. Do you know what 26 times 2 is? 57. You are just spot... You're you're like a human calculator. Yes. We have done this for half of a year. My God. Another 26, and we're... And we've rounded the first lap. Right. We are actually going up in seven countries. After the last episode, we went up six to eight listeners in six different countries, including the United States. And we are now uh, in some places, as you know, Uruguay, where we uh, are our most popular mm-hmm. at in the top uh, 952nd, I believe, isn't it? Or 652. I can't remember which. But in one, we're 3,376 most listened to podcasts. Right. right. Well, I mean, clearly. That's so true. we're we got another six people. Yeah. Now, now they probably already turned off because they hate data, right? I, I, I hate data, yes. And data. What have you done this week, Dennis? Well, so still the house continues. Concrete was poured in the driveway. Concrete was poured on the sidewalks. So I also had air conditioning central air conditioning put in. It's been a banner a week, and the painters are out there now finishing up. They have one more day. The windows are coming. And it's interesting about concrete, you know, because when it goes down, it's all rocky and chunky, and then it settles. And as soon as you touch it with a steel instrument to smooth it, it it raises the liquid and the soft concrete part of it higher. Really? The stone sinks. Well, it's like quicksand. So the stone in it sinks to the bottom when you're working it. Right. So when, when you're, you're moving it, you're, around, you're it. moving it. Right. Right. And I do need it badly. Well, um, you need a lot of things. But it's fun to, to do that. I had a patch of concrete that was, I swear to God, one foot by two foot. That was my responsibility. So I scarfed up. Wait, wait, wait. Two that's, buckets. that's two square feet. Yes. As opposed to the sidewalk was five blocks, five feet by five feet square each. Right, five square feet. Twenty-five times five, and one twenty-five. And the driveway was thirty-eight feet by eight feet wide. So I have a little two foot by one foot patch. I could not get it right. I could not get it right. I finally settled for good, perfect being the enemy thereof, and did the final touch, which makes other mistakes matter less. I took a brush and I brushed in lines, like sculpted. Did did you did you did you write? happyhour.fm in the concrete? Oh, no. Well, that was a mistake. Yeah, well, so is this podcast. So we might as well have two. That was a mistake among many. That's only made in the entire entire half year since we started. But one of the mistakes we made, we've repeated the mistake 26 times. So that might be a record. That's for the thick-headed, not for the thin-skinned. Speaking of which, how are your roommates doing in Brooklyn? How's everyone doing? All the, all the sad podcasters who have no listeners other than each other. They're good. They eat a lot of burritos, which yeah, which means plain, that's the uh, plain, no sauce on them. Yeah, they just right out of the 
Right. Yeah, so the the air in the apartment is a little uh, rank, but, you know, we it makes our voices deeper, I think, for our podcast. Well, if you, cook, if you cook the burrito in a microwave not quite long enough, which is perfect for, for you folks, then when you bite into it, it's kind of spongy and, and tears slowly, kind of gummy. Right. Kind of like a, epoxy that's almost dry, but not quite. Yeah, uh, and so and, I'm sure that's what you guys love. And with you, and when it's you apply, and when you apply, it, you, when you apply a, a utensil to it, like the the harder chunks sort of sink down, like in concrete. Yes. Uh, yes. So. Well, it's a lot. Yeah. Right. Analogies there. So but, and so that work, and I put the steps on the porch, and this is what I have to say about that. So, you're in a situation where you you don't want you, you know you can't be perfect at things but you want to be very good anyway and I certainly strive for that it's and when you yes. working when you're working with a house that's built in 1910 nothing straight the house is crooked the porch on the house is crooked the sidewalk in front of the porch in front of the house is crooked the owner it's tilted right mm-hmm. so there's that so I build two walls to hold the steps two three foot tall walls 34 inch tall walls those two sway a bit this way, aren't quite straight this way, because what do I want to be straight with? What do I want to be square with? What do I want to be plumb with? Well, whatever it is, that thing is out of plumb with everything else. So there's no way that it isn't going to look off to me, but to anybody else, not so much, I guess. What a metaphor. So when I put this, what do I want to be yes. plumb with? That's like, what do you want to be square with? What like, do you want to be plumb with? That's what do you want to be rough with? It's, what do you want to be up against and compared to? <laughs> Man, just, what do you? What, you're blowing my what mind. What goes man. through your head that you've never thought about these things? No, you're just. I hope the rest of the millennials are not like you. I've, I've met quite a few millennials. They, the seems that uh, they're moving toward uh, 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 Elizabeth Warren in droves from Bernie. The, the seems to be the materials I work with are pixels, and your pixels are square, and you can be properly aligned and exactly perfect with pixels. But that said. It's really difficult to the the hardest part of organizing stuff on web pages and things with with pixels and web pages and mobile apps and, and stuff is that back in the day we, you knew that your content was going to be consumed by a big screen, relatively big screen, and now we have so many different screen sizes and getting your shit to look good on all the different screen sizes is just a nightmare. Uh, yeah, but anyway, t- take me back to your t- to your well, interesting steps, to your interesting uh, uh, circumstance where you settle for what you're ever willing to settle for. There's always a compromise. depending on reason, reason depend on your reasonability, Life your is reasonableness, compromise. depending on the time, the resources, etc. And so here's the steps: the crooked house and the crooked porch and the crooked and the crooked comes on the crooked porch and the crooked concrete and everything. Which way mm-hmm. I get the steps? But I have a level that's three feet long. So it will tell me wow. true where the stuff is level. So I'm damn sure the steps are going to be level against what? Level against the house, because unlike everything else, the house sits left to right square. Wait, 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 wait. I thought levels worked with gravity to the center of the earth with your little bubble or whatnot. Yes. So if so you're when not... the bubbles line up, you're square. Right. Horizontally or vertically. Right. When to, they line up at the center. Of the to, to gravity, to the center of the earth. Or to the yes, center I, I'm of, not sure. Of you, the earth. Yes, you want to move into a, a sort of like a no, but you're saying level with level with another object. That's assuming that the other object is square, plumb, 
to the center of the earth. You know why you know that? You use your tool and you say, I'll be damned. The house is straight, at least the three feet right. that's, in, that's in the door, mm-hmm. which is the center of the porch. That seems, that's square, that's centered. That's good. That's level. So my stairs are level to that. But when I go and I get it all level and I put the risers up, the, the, the two by tens that are cut to hold your steps, mm-hmm. you know, 11 inches wide, seven inches up, et cetera, I've got those all level. I've got them all the same distance away from each other at the top and at the bottom. Then when I go to put my boards on, which I pre-cut and numbered, oddly enough, one through eight and 10 through 13. I don't know what happened to number nine. I never recorded it. I jumped and you know what I say? Number nine, number nine, number nine, number nine. Exactly. So here we go. Now what happens? I finally got it straight. The boards are fucking crooked. Wait, the so boards. Are you anti-revolution? Nope. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Okay, so the boards are crooked. Nine. Number nine. The boards are crooked. They sway on end, and when you buy a board, you eye it up the best you can. But when you cut a certain piece of it, then suddenly one end of it goes up, one end of it goes down, and so you have to compromise for eyesight. If you look at a porch step and one side of the step has got a gap that's two inches and the other side is one inch, it's going to look crooked, Mm -hmm. even though it's level. So what you do, you compromise level for visibility and almost an emotional, visceral view of it, independent of the level. And it becomes how much off are you comfortable with as you compromise between the gap and the degree of levelness of the step. And I found a sweet spot, and then I repeated it five times. Mind and it moved forward quickly after that. What a beautiful metaphor for for life in general. Like, on the one hand, you have scientific truth. And then on the other hand, you have perce- perceived mm, experience. Expectations. And expectations. Well, perceived expectations. And, and you have to try and... you can't If you're going to be... Uh, hard-nosed, no, this is really level, just deal with it. Uh, no emotions, science, uh, left brain, uh, you know, fact. And you ignore the typically, stereotypically right-brained emotional uh, ex- experience of the world. You, uh, it, you're, you won't you're, be satisfied. You're, you won't be satisfied. You, you will also be wrong. You won't be satisfied. But if you, you, satisfied. But if you go just for, but if you go in the opposite extreme of, I want this to feel right but then it's really all crooked and then over time you end up uh not you so, know, in trouble so what you have to do is you have to be best at it both ways exactly you have is... to be best at it both ways and so to give it an example so back three houses ago we tore out a kitchen gutted it completely and against uh the narrow wall uh we put a uh, antique looking new gas stove and a hood and the hood was a monster sat well over two feet above the stovetop, as you would expect, and it was almost as big as the stovetop. It was a chrome. And in order to get it straight and in properly, we put it in and took it out three times. And this is two men on a ladder, and this weighs 300 pounds. So we've got the equivalent of, well, 200 pounds anyway. Two people, yeah. the weight of two people on ladders lifting it, up and down, up and down, up and down. And we, we ended up accepting what we considered as level as it could be, 
and it was off in a three-foot space, one-eighth of an inch. In a three-foot space, one-eighth of an inch. From the ceiling to the fan, a big column was off. It drove me crazy. Yep. I'd look at the end of the kitchen in a small room, and all I could see was a crooked a crooked chimney yeah, or a, that, a duck. This is what I did. That, well, hold on. as that, good as I could get. That's, that's one of those things where the creator, the one that does it will always see that flaw but no one always. else will it's so it's a bit like so. when you when you're when you're performing music or something and you you get through your set or whatever and you you heard 50 mistakes in the 20 minutes that you were playing and then the audience is like that was perfect man that was totally perfect but because no, you know right, right. Uh, you you see all the mistakes right well so with, it. with with this in mind there's a guy who uh, is the most excellent tile layer that I've ever met in my life from, from Grand Rapids. and um, The tile guy. Tile guy, the gym. Jim the tile and, guy. Jim uh, the tile guy. And uh, he did my son's house, and we tiled the small bathroom, but we tiled the entire bathroom. Walls, mostly windows and doors, so it was ceiling in the wall space, and then we got four slabs of granite and threw it on the floor. Tiles, but he did all this work. Tiles feels like a thing where little mistakes will mess with you psychologically if you did it yourself. Well, so, good point. Here's Jim, the perfectionist. Mm -hmm. I say to him, the stovetop is off an eighth of an inch from top to bottom, and we're laying tile vertical from top to bottom the long way. Between this space here and this space here to the wall, when you lay the tile, you have approximately two feet Within that two feet, since the tile are one inch, you have 24 tiles. If you will change the vertical nature of each of those 24 rows of tiles, evenly dividing one-eighth of an inch by 24 tiles, no one will ever see that it's crooked. Nice. And he said, yeah, I got you. And he did it. I got you. He did it perfectly. Nice. He did it. Perfectly. This is, this the, is where, like, when I was in school, and for sure my kids now are like, eh, math, what's math good for? But this sort of thing where you can figure out exactly how much to shift something minis in a minuscule way so that it's not perceptible, but then works out it's fine. It's an illusion. It's gorgeous. It's an illusion. I love it. And uh, the, the piece de resistance was on the corner there was a piece of oak and wood that we had painted white to match the tile. The whole kitchen was painted white with tile, etc. And at the top of that was a, uh, a tooled cone that looked uh, sort of like a, a chestnut uh, wood or a, a acorn wood, uh, acorn with a little cap on it, right? Mm -hmm. Carved in the wood. And Jim carved a piece of tile to fit around that perfectly with the same exact width of grout that he applied between all the tiles. And I would show people my house and invariably I would end not on the stove story, right. but on that little well, piece there thing, okay. where after that accomplishment of the stove, which he did first, he still took the time to finish that. I have so much respect for that level of attention to detail that you can... It's so, it it's so easy to be the kind of person where you're just like, all right, this is done, whatever, give me my money. Uh, 
But to go into the specific detail of, of making sure that this is perfect, uh, which I, I certainly appreciate and I try to strive to myself in my own work with the pixels and whatnot. So is the reason that you moved out of the U.S. is because working with little pixels uh, got you in some kind of uh, trouble? Yeah, I was banned from being anywhere near pixels in the U.S. for like 20 years. My my sentence is almost up. So. <laughs> right. So anyway, so, I, so here's the deal, man. I finish the steps, and I back up, and I walk away, and I know this. I know that the gaps between the steps, which are the black lines that you pick up in your vision, mm -hmm. are even enough and uniform enough to, to nearly pass muster with me, mm -hmm. knowing that I had crooked boards and knowing that each of the steps is off meeting my negotiated standard of levelness. Negotiating, ne negotiated with yourself? With myself, with or, me, myself, and Irene. Or with the Lord. I mean, Jesus was a carpenter. Well, speaking of the Lord, while well, you got a second here, go ahead and uh, and uh, just bring up bring up uh, bring up the acronym and look for pictures of GFs of, of JFC while you're doing that and see what see what comes up because I caught one today. I think you'll find it. Oh Jesus! I mean. Oh Jesus, fried chicken! Wow. Okay, that Colonel would be, Sanders is Jesus. That would be on the show notes. Oh my God! So isn't that great? Uh, is this competition against Chick Fil A for their super Christiany? There, there's recently been this thing that has been called like hashtag uh, Chicken Wars, where apparently there's been a bunch of uh, publicity around Popeye's chicken. Where they have, ah. they've been, they've been like, uh, like secretly releasing this this uh, new exclusive fried chicken between pieces of bread, which is oh 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 the new is, chicken sandwich that the guy pulled a gun on him, pulled a gun on him and said, "What do you mean you're out of it? You're going to get me one of these, or I'm going to kill you." Ah yes, you're referring back to the Michael Douglas thing that we talked about. Michael Douglas, who pulled the it? The actor. Who, who said what, what? What are you talking about? This happened. This is a news story that the Popeyes chicken, the new chicken sandwich that they put out, they ran out and a guy pulled a gun on him and said, "You will get me one of these or I'll kill you." Had a gun. A man pulled a gun to demand Popeyes chicken sandwiches after they sold out in Houston. Bingo! Wow. And you're thinking that this Michael Douglas did it? I don't. I know he likes to eat sandwiches, remember, but I don't. Remember we had a discussion about the Michael Douglas movie where he he was in a fast food joint, but you said it was a Walmart, and I think you were actually more correct than, than I was. Okay. Interesting. So well, that link will yeah, be in the show notes. Well, great. That's a thrill. At happyhour.fm slash zero two six. Hard to believe. Because we're too sexy for our beers. No, it wasn't. It's not funny. Uh, I think you might be. I know I'm not. So, uh, in the news this week, lots of uh, interesting things. The Democratic debate uh, resolving itself and some changing in the polls. Really? Interesting. What, what, uh, what, who moved? 
Well, Warren is moving. Elizabeth Warren is moving, and Bernie's moving too. And I and saw a whole bunch of from- I saw a bunch of stuff on Twitter where Warren did a did a an event in New York City. Yes, and there was a there was like a five hour line around the block to get your selfie with Warren. This is this is what 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 we're saying, is that Warren has much of the future uh, futuristic and some would say ultra liberal agenda, or some would say the socialist agenda that, that Bernie has with education for all, Medicare for all, but but without the she has a knack. Crazies talk. She she doesn't shout about it all the time until she's hoarse. She doesn't look like she wants to beat you up about it. She's being called a gentler version of Bernie who's becoming a bit of an issue because his grandfatherly, irascible, always mad, where's thin, as opposed to warm, compassionate, explanatory, and what someone called oratory skills that are ridiculous. You can't say that about Bernie. Bernie can incite a crowd. Yes. But when... when, when but there's more to it. Bernie doesn't break things down as well as she does. And I think what we're seeing is a recognition that this isn't 2016 and that this is the first socialist, pro-socialist candidate. Warren can say what she wants about being a capitalist. I believe she you, you have, have socialistic and capitalistic characteristics. Without doubt, you don't have to be one or the other. But Warren, um, Warren, but is, which, Warren is, is taking advantage of the ice that Bernie broke in 2016 of yes. Going yes. In fact, in that fact, far left. and recognizes him for that. But while he is on an icebreaker plowing through, and his voice and his hoarse, crazy look is what is making that ice break. Mm-hmm. She is in a souped-up '53 Chevy and just saying, "Thanks, man. I yeah. got this." Uh, the so- most youthful 71-year-old I've ever seen. For sure. For sure. I have not. I've not seen any. Because the typical sexist critique of women politicians is that they are, oh, they're too excitable or they're too, they're too emotional or whatever. But she seems to understand that and be so on the level with her emotion and well, and control. And what you can look at, the way to measure that is through likability. Okay, that's a proxy for all these characteristics, right? Likability. And so... Negative polling, you know, what are your negatives? How many people think negative of you? Tell such a story for that very reason. Hmm. While Warren and Sanders poll favorably, similarly, with Bernie, I think, mm-hmm. I had a bit, unfavorable, Bernie's twice as high as she is. Right. So, so many fewer people feel poorly about her. And as you move toward the nomination, the independents... Right are the ones who they want to know that you've got some flexibility here and, um, you know, yeah, and you're not screaming for revolution. They're, they're both likable, but Bernie is more hateable. Or dislikable. Dislikable, yeah. Yeah, would be kinder, but, but, but you're probably right on the hate category, too. Cracking open another one. All right. When I was editing the previous episode, and you won't remember this, but you ended with 
you ended with this with this thing of um, and the number to call to talk Eric off of the ledge is eleven one six, which was just a made up number that you came up with, but so well I went and I plugged that into into the Googles and to the, to the Wikipedia's and for any number you can name there is well there's something for any number under 2019 there's a wikipedia article telling you things that happened in that year right and uh despite the fact that there are very little citations so we don't really know that any of this is true uh there's a bunch of stuff that people think happened in the year 1116 uh, <laughs> such as such such as there was the King Baldwin I of Jerusalem that uh, attacked Egypt. You know, the Middle East is, is always has been fraught for uh, for literally uh, always years. fighting, always yeah. fighting about something. But my my favorite. Well, also there was a uh, the a Queen of Sweden was born. Uh, blah blah blah. But my very favorite one was, and this is totally unsighted, and I have found no other sources of this, but. Wikipedia says that in China, the first modern book with separate pages stitched together was created in the year 1116. Uh, Wikipedia doesn't have a citation for where they got that? They, it, it does not. So someone That's just made that up. Strange. And the other, the, other talks, the other pages I found about the history of books say, yeah, maybe around then, maybe a thousand years earlier. We don't really know. So, so anyway, that's... I do recall asking you during the recording, if you knew the significance of one 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 six, do you? And yes, and you said after long thinking, you said no, and I said, which I thought was funny, uh-huh. was there isn't one. Correct. Well, the joke's on me. Exactly. Well, I mean, the joke is always on you, but yes, always, <laughs> always on me. I'm not sure I like the sound of that. Well, always on me. Let's say usually. Always. What? Usually. Explain yourself. <laughs> Okie dokie. This past weekend was, uh, we decide. my family decided that this past weekend was the, maybe the last weekend where our temperatures were high enough so we could go and enjoy the beach. And yeah. where I live, it, every time I go, like I don't really like going to the beach. When I'm when I'm at home, I think oh, the beach. I don't know, but I live ten minutes away from one of the nicest beaches I've ever seen. We have in what body of water? Uh, in the English maps, call it the Bay of Biscay. It's kind of it's the it's the part in the northern uh, the water north of Spain. Uh, I know the, it. The the Spanish call it the the Cantabrian Sea, really, it's the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, yeah. But anyway, um, and so we went to the beach uh, at uh, twelve noon, which is like getting up early in Spain, and and <laughs> we spent seven hours at the beach with my with my with my kids, and yeah. which is. Not a thing that we normally do, or certainly not a thing that I normally like to do, because I like to go to the beach, I like to walk a little bit, and then get in the water, and once I'm all salty and wet, I very quickly want to go home and shower, because... You don't, you can't shower there? 
there there are is there no public showers there are outdoor things that will put water on you but i like to get properly clean uh well no i'm certain you do but have you tried the uh, intermediate step to see if you could extend your stay I mean, you sound fucking miserable. No, no, no. I, I, I'm not dripping I'm, with salt. You wanna, you wanna run home and cleanse yourself. Do you use like a Brillo pad or, or like, a, a, you know, scraping tools or, I mean, you sound a little uh, possessed I, here. I, I have a high-powered sander that I, that, that I use <laughs> on, on my genitals. But the you, what? No, but you can't say that. Well, I guess you can. You can say about what you want, but it'll get out. No the, pun intended. But the um. But anyway, because I was because I'm so bored with just lying there on the ground, uh, like at the many, beach. At the beach, don't you read on the sand? I had uh, I had a book, but uh, yeah, it was not comfortable. Did you have a chair? No, we didn't bring a chair. We just had a towel. Oh no! See, that's there, that's there, the problem. Other, you got to have a little chair. Other people have a little, have a little chair, but still, yeah, you can't you can't get comfortable even laying so, around. Even so, uh, even so. Uh, I I don't anyway. That's not my my jam. There's more to it. There's but, more to it. So what I did uh, this beach is seven kilometers, which is four point three five miles uh, wide, long. And so first we we left our kids playing in the sand, and my wife and I walked that entire distance. And then my and then uh, after we had a little. Had a little dip in the water. My uh, my wife was was lying on the sand, and I was like, "I'm I'm going to go for another walk." And I did another three miles walk in this in the sand, which is the hardest. Mm. This was this was not dry sand. This was right there where the where the waves are coming in. So it was hard sand, but still, the 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 muscles in your feet that normally yeah. with with a shoe on don't need to don't need to flex. Right. Uh, we're doing a lot of work. So by the time I got back, I was just. Mm, my feet were exhausted and hurting. Your metatarsals. My metatarsals, yes. My my kids and a friend that they brought uh, were seven hours playing in the sand. They must have moved a ton of sand, you know, picking up picking up dirt and moving over there and picking up sand and moving over there and then digging a thing and then the tide was coming in, right? So whatever castle they had built got destroyed, so they moved a little bit further back and they built another one and then it got destroyed and they moved further back and they built another one. And uh, they they did more work than, like, if I had told them, okay, look, for the next six hours you're going to do physical labor. <laughs> They, they would be like, right. they would be like, no way, fuck this. Move the sand from here to there, then from there to here, and when right. you're done, dig a hole. And exactly. when you're done with that, fill it up. It's exactly. like sand boot camp. But hey, have you seen the contests of sand building castles where they're so big that people can actually walk in them, and they have these huge contests? You need to Google this. I, I've seen some amazing sand. It's, it's it's what, who, how, and teams of twenty, thirty people. Okay. With equipment. That will be in the show notes. Back to the beach at happyhour.fm/slash zero two six. So yeah, the, we, we it was a, a long, long day, but it was a generally happy day, and we came home and we and we, well, happy and we day. Were happy. But that was a, and every time that I, so like I said, when I'm at home, I'm like ah, the beach. But every time I go, I think, wow, like I live in this beautiful corner of the world, and where a lot of the people that are there have traveled. You know, four or five hours from somewhere to to be at this at this beautiful location, and it takes me ten minutes to get there. And ten minutes. Yeah, and I get I get back home and I'm showered in, in you know twenty minutes after I leave the beach, uh, and it's just it's a luxury that I 
can take for granted sometimes that I, I wish I appreciated more. Well, for you, well, happy day. Eh? Oh yeah, happy hour. <laughs> dot FM. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Greetings, podcast listeners. I'd like to break the fourth wall for a moment and talk directly to you. Dennis and I have a lot of fun making this show, but podcasting takes equipment, time, and energy. If we're going to sustain this show for the long term, we need some help from you. Think about it like this. We're giving you roughly four hours of content every month. How much is four hours of entertainment worth to you? Think about other things that you pay for to be entertained for four hours, like two movies, or a round of golf, or a weekly yoga class, or maybe a concert. That's the level of support we'd like from you. If you find our discussions entertaining, we'd really appreciate any support you can afford to give. Please, if you can't afford to give money, don't. But if you can, to donate, go to happyhour.fm and click on the red Become a Patron button at the top, and then choose a tier that you'd like to support us at. Thank you very, very much. Now. Back to the nonsense. I'm listening to in my uh, borrowed car. I turned the uh, CD player on and found some CDs on the seat and stuck one in. And it's uh, Michael Jackson's post-death compendium. Uh, What was it called? something about life i don't know like i can't remember i wish i knew the damn name of it you can look it up and then we'll correct it but life after death it's amazing <laughs> no not <laughs> that, that's what it should have been that would be a great album for post posthumous uh a recognition life after death hold on i got some real-time follow-up it's called this is it this is it right it's 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 amazing and i I've just listened to it nonstop every minute I'm in the car, which isn't long because the car can only go three miles before it overheats. So I'm effectively limited. It was like Alan, you know, back in the day in, the, in Wilmington, he had a truck and the truck a gas tank got a hole in it. And he learned that if he put no more than like two gallons of gas in, that it wouldn't leak. And so he never had a radius of where he could go without getting gas for like 12 miles <laughs> or, or whatever. Hey man, yeah. that's 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 okay. I have a topic to discuss with you because last weekend, the day after I went to the beach and I was exhausted, I went to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh. And I went, I went with an American friend that I have here, and we saw the because it's really hard to find the non overdubbed version. We went, we, oh. we we saw the version in English with Spanish subtitles of this movie. Holy shit! Holy shit! What a what a movie! What um, a final act, huh? Well, in, in it's a three act play. What a what a final act! Wait, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but the it's my first my first mm, impression was that at at the beginning of the movie they were laying on the the it was really 1969 but we'll call it the 70s uh, Hollywood nostalgia 
uh, trip really, really hard. Every time there was a there was a potential chance someone got in a car or touched the touched the radio of a car, they changed the music to another thing that was a, a period appropriate, which is so 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 Tarantino. Uh, I yeah, this yeah. is this was Tarantino's wet dream of because he has so much respect for those old days of of, of Hollywood, and it was personally. I really am looking forward to learning about how they did all of the, all of the scenes where they're driving by historic Hollywood landmarks, because I know for a fact that those are all Gone. done in the computer somehow, and sure. and every one of those marquees with names on them, I feel confident that Tarantino got period accurate for what was that month in the cinema, in the theater at those uh, at those places. But well, yes, and he, he 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 so firmly established the dateline uh, in the first act. Um, and I've read some stuff about this, and there was a, a Dean Martin uh, role that was cut, and also um, there was an actor who was cut out altogether. Can't remember what I can't remember what part. I can't remember the act. Tim Roth. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim Roth frequent, is, a, is a frequent Tarantino character, yes. Frequent flyer, but he was his role was cut out altogether, whatever it was. But um, so I know we talked about some things. I think we talked about this that I, I asked you to, to take notice of, and that was the actor who played Steve McQueen at the party. Yes, who is the guy from his most famous thing? I think is Band of Brothers and also Homeland. Uh, uh, well, he nailed it. Yeah. He nailed it. I was such a huge fan of Steve McQueen. Everything he did, every every bit of it. Uh, loved him as an actor. Understated and remarkably gifted, mm-hmm. uh, physically and and uh, stage wise. But um, so the, I love I love that. The actor that played him was Damian Lewis. I, I really appreciated the um, because I have recently for the first time seen um, The Great Escape. I really liked. Oh, really? I really liked the the. The throwback, uh, the sort of Forrest Gump editing yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of having uh, Leo playing at the Critics Cape, uh, which was good. Yeah, which was just such a dream piece. And and did it DiCaprio stretch? You you said his skills. You said to the on, max. You said on the episode that we talked about this that that might be Leo's greatest role, greatest performance ever, and I have to completely agree. Oh, he really? was he was great. amazing. Um, he, he, just, was, he was he was so credible, so credible. And wasn't Brad Pitt the most underplayed? Remarkably so until the third act, right? When all of that laying in wait and that slow moving, you know, little Jethro. Yeah, hello. He, he I was, just think I'll take a look. I just I thought it was remarkable. From another actor, it might not have been remarkable, but for Brad Pitt to be able to rein himself in to the point of underplaying a role, he let his body language and his physical being yep. do more of the acting than for I've sure. ever seen. For sure, the way for he sure. walked, the way he carried himself, mm-hmm. the way he sat, how he leaned. I was I, I I think that this movie is up for a lot of Academy Awards this year. Well, and I've got a couple things to say about that. The uh, Yes, for, for sure he. For sure, sure. He did this. This subtle. It, it felt like a you were watching a real person, and yeah, the you gotta love the 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 
dog food serving scenes, uh, which was, oh. <laughs> yeah. But he, aside from kicking Bruce Lee's ass, uh, which, which was, was which was hilarious. Uh, right. And the degree, the degree that the car was dented yes. was classic. Tarantino was like, who cares how real this? Yeah. Who cares that this would kill any normal man denting yes. a car like that? And the guy just like shakes it off. I, I it was it it was great. Well and was, I, I really appreciated that that Tarantino really there was only three minutes of gratuitous violence. If we if we set aside the the uh, the Bruce Lee, pretty thing, heavy, it was, yeah, but it, that was pretty explosive. True, true. So well, the one thing that I ask people who've seen it is this: Do you think that he hit her head against the counter enough times? <laughs> well, don't spoil it for our for our listener, but uh, yes, <laughs> there was there was some counter head, uh, some head counter. Yes, the uh, and yeah, it was just. Well done, and apparently, um, I didn't. My the the guy that I that I saw this movie with is is about ten years older than me, so he recognized a lot more of the nostalgia bits because for sure. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you for that. sure. This this was if you live if you remember nineteen sixty nine, there was so many call outs to you as a viewer, right? Uh, with all the products and all the uh, signs and styles and things. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say is that this is really, to put it as vulgar as Quentin would, this is really sort of sucking the Academy's dick on getting an Oscar. Because if you look at uh, movies like L.A. Confidential and La La Land that are all about how great Los Angeles is. It, no, it, uh-huh. it's all about Los Angeles is really the center of the world. Uh, this This movie is very much... In that, in that feeling, in that genre, where the Academy is going to eat this shit up. Well, and so, so check this. So, in 1969, I was 16 years old, and all of the movies, and all of the actors, and all of the singers, and all of the cars, and all the things that were what I knew was surrounded by, but also what I coveted in terms of the cars, you know, and and I wanted to be the actors. I mean, everyone was just so. So cool. I mean, and so the the that part of the movie that I got lost in very early certainly made that experience very much different for me than you, as you had, as you had mentioned earlier, because you, had, you you know about these things, but you didn't live them. There wasn't a visceral. Right. You know, you didn't see you didn't see the great escape when it came out. Right. You didn't see it in color. You know, when it came out, which, you know, was growing up with a black and white TV set and a little screen. It was about 14 inches across and the hard uh, outdoor carpet of our living room, um, you know, had to have a pillow. But uh, the for those of us that have gone through these cataclysmic information and technology changes in our 65, 70 years, mm-hmm. this stuff. This stuff is, is astounding when you see it on the screen. When Tarantino, who, what is he? How old is Tarantino? 45? 46? Mm. So he's, he, wasn't, he wasn't there. But no, but he's a, he's a student. He's, he's 50, nostalgic of it. He's 56. It's like, it's 56? Well, so he was so seven. He was, he was six years old in, in, uh, in, in yeah. 60, 69. But. Well, old enough, in fact, to, 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 to be aware of it. Think about how that era 
let's say that three to five year era played out because the stuff that was crazy cool and knocking it out of the park in 68 and 69 was still cool in 72. Mm-hmm. So you've got a four year span. So then he's 10. Right. So, you know, I mean, I, I bought a 1974 Mercedes-Benz when I was 45 because when I, when, when, when that car came out in 74, mm-hmm. when I was 19 years old, it was the awesomest thing ever. Yeah. I wanted it. Mm-hmm. And then when I could finally get it, when I was 45, I got it sitting out there. Now I don't have any keys. I don't, can't start it, but it doesn't run. And it's getting a little, uh, a little pockmarked uh-huh. <laughs> besides that. It's a great car. Um, no, the, the, um, when on, on this, in, during the slow parts, like the, the time when Brad Pitt is going to the hippie commune and you're like, what is going on here? How is this part of the oh story? My God. That, that, that part, like at when it when I was seeing it, I was thinking, "This is strange. How is this going to be part of the story?" But also, I was entertained as hell because it was just so gripping. Oof. Every moment, and Bruce Dern. Oh my God, Bruce Dern, and the old man in the shack. Yeah, was I have a I have a theory that there was a little bit of analogy to Apocalypse Now there where you've got this commune where a bunch of people are there and then you've got this crazy guy that's sort of shacked up in the in the house. I don't know. I don't know if that he was... was never, he was never uh, referred to nor characterized as anything other than the guy who owned it, unlike right. Apocalypse Now, the character in the cave. Oh, God, we've got to have a name here. Kurt. Uh, Kurt. I think. Colonel. Colonel Kurtz. Kurtz, yes. Uh, um... And, was 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 a seer, right? A seer and the controller and a demigod, which you know. So, the the flavor of the logistics of it with a separated elder mm-hmm. who you didn't know, right? I mean that right. that that certainly is. You could see that, um, and it it was it was for all of the fast paced parts of the movie. This he was very very comfortable going slow when he wanted play, to playing out the drama of these crazy hippies who you knew were some of them were going to be responsible for the for the for the murders. Well, you um, you knew because how you knew because you knew something about the movie, the trailer uh, for the movie, okay. and all the advertisements I, were I, I had, all I, about Sharon Tate. I, I didn't know about that, nor did I really know any of the history of Sharon Tate. Oh my god. So when I so after shocker. So after I came out of the movie and my my movie going companion was like, Well that sort of altered the history of, of the Sharon Tate murders by the Manson family and I was like, What 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 what? Uh and so But you know about all this. Now now I do. Uh you didn't but, know about the Charles Manson and the Sharon Tate murders before you researched it after the movie? I That's hard to believe. I did not I did not study I, like, study. I'm not saying study. Know, did you know Charlie Manson? I've heard of Charles Manson, and I knew that there was a Manson <laughs> family that did some things, but I didn't know their victims' names, nor did I know oh the relation to Roman Polanski or any of How that. How could you live in a cave? How could you live in a cave? I don't know. Well, because, I don't know. Where were you? Because I was born after 1969. Oh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Sorry, you man. Born? After 1969. So. What? When? Uh, let's see, nine, over nine years after Sharon Tate died. Oof. But man, what a, uh, what a great 
casting of Margot Robbie as, uh, as Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate. And what was interesting, that in the movie, when she was watching herself in the theater with her filthy feet up on the, on the chairs, mm-hmm. which Tarantino had a fetishy thing going on with feet the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Including uh, one of the Manson family, the yeah, little yeah. young, yeah, the sixteen-year-old uh, uh, with her filthy feet up on the on, on, the, on the dashboard, yeah. etc. But she was watching actual footage of Sharon Tate. Really cool. Yes, and the fact that while certainly, if you're not familiar with what Sharon Tate looks like, Margot Robbie certainly looks enough like Sharon Tate that mm-hmm. for the uninformed, it's like, well, yeah, I, it's a credible resemblance. Well done, Quentin. But. When juxtaposed against the actual footage of Sharon Tate in the movie, it was fairly obvious to me, of course, oh, my God, he's not showing a clip with Margot Robbie sitting in for actual Sharon Tate. Mm-hmm. He's showing the real clip. Why? Because he's so fucking dedicated to that, 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 that fact. Right. Nice. That she did it and that it was done and, and it was what it was and it should not be fucked with. Okay, that's that, what he did. That it, my one of my comments after seeing the movie was that whole scene where she's looking at her, at she's looking at herself in the movies. Uh, I didn't see a lot of point of that. Like that, in my opinion, that could have been cut. But now with your new information, I I see why that was left in. But here's 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 the real reason why it's important to me. That showed how she felt about her own career at that stage where she was so giddy with excitement that she finally had a part that was shown in a feature film. Nice. And she was named on the billboard. The setup then for Mm -hmm. her murder being that talk about, she was famous enough, right? At the, at the, at the most satisfying point of her life that her life was taken away from her. Not that, you know, who knows what her career would have been. I, you could recognize in the film that that you know back in the in the 60s these women characters were not very serious because not that dean martin was for heaven's sake mm-hmm. a serious actor but but still i think that that's that's what it established and the dirty feet on the back of the chair showing that her economic strata because this was the first time that she had actually done a movie, that, and who knows what she was paid, not much. Uh-huh. But the fact that she was there, her feet were dirty, and she was the squeeze of Roman Polanski, mm-hmm. right? That all helped put that together, that this is a young... Uh, from, you know, from nowhere, uh, yes. success. Yes, right. It, right, impoverished and working so hard for a break and finding herself in the movie and then shacking up and to the point where... She couldn't discard her former beau, right? Who she brought with her to the house because he was a beau and a and a friend who would mm-hmm. not give yeah. up on her. And he knew, of course, that Roman Polanski would someday walk away, which, uh, in fact, he did. Yeah. But it was after the murders. Um, so anyway, yeah, I just thought a, a rock, a, a rock, a, a rock and ride of nostalgia and tremendous acting, and the yeah. screenplay was fabulous and it was unique. It was it was everything I had hoped for from the next Tarantino movie. Yeah, should, that, that was someone listening is going to be writing their film studies paper on on what you just said, which is brilliant. Um, the one other thing I wanted to say about the movie was I like the I like the western within a western within a western 
uh, side of it, where I liked how in the scenes where uh, DiCaprio was acting, you it we we seamlessly switched into the camera that was filming his his yes. scene, right? So yes. there was never any. There was never any crew around, and this, the camera was moving exactly as it would filming him. And then when he had to say, uh, what's the next line or whatever, uh, you could hear a voice in the background saying, oh, it's this, blah, 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 blah. And then he would, he, would, he would start again. But I love that seamlessness of, because a lot of times when you see films being made in films, the filmmaker tries to make it more realistic with uh, people running around and props and shit everywhere. But I, I liked that decision on Tarantino's part to make it yeah. uh, blend in like that. Yeah, seamless and, and in black and white as well. And uh, I, I loved at the end in the, well, I don't, it's a spoiler, so I won't do it, but it was, uh, it was pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Now we should, it, did you see uh, the, the movie uh, uh, before that, that he did? The uh, mag- what was it called? The Magnificent Eight or the Magnificent Eight? Yeah, I think. I not the Magnificent Eight, not Magnificent. But um, if you haven't seen it, so here's another thing to to think about ahead, and then I gotta I gotta go. Um, there is a, a a list that came out. And I'm sure it's common. That's called uh, the 20 most flawless movies ever made, and I reviewed it today, and I've seen 18 of them, and it was amazing whoever come up with this list and I can't tell you who it didn't matter to me I was just reading it um, that what they said about first of all the selection that they had which in the most part I certainly agreed with um, but what they said about these movies in terms of a snippet three sentences a paragraph mm-hmm. about what made it that way it's it, take a look at it um, there's just any any amount of, uh, of, of, of interesting discussion there uh, Tarantino's previous movie was called The Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight. And that was, was a bloodbath. The studio was that, the was the now problematic the Weinstein Company. Uh, yeah, uh, as are really all of his previous movies are Miramax. This or, this this was more violent in a close up way. His other films are violent in almost like a. a a, a crowded way where there's a room full of people that are murdered and kill Bill and right. kill Bill value yeah, yeah, yeah. too. And it's just, you know, scores of people this where it's killing one person at a time and it's mercifully beating people one at a time. It's very close up. Right. It's very personal, it's very personal. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it, I was in pain for part of the movie just because <laughs> when you see people get shot in certain places, it hurts you. Mm-hmm. Your empathy has to go there. He draws you into this, I mean, and, and Kurt Russell. Oh my God! It's much. Oh like, it's my much, God! It's much like how our podcast is so intimate inside everyone's ears, where we're just, you know, abusing our listeners over and over. <laughs> well, at least, at least you are. <laughs> All right. Hi, Dennis. We'll talk to you next Bye. week. Love you, man. If you've enjoyed what you just heard, you can support us by telling a friend or sharing us on social media. Monthly donations to help us pay for hosting and editing can be provided at patreon.com slash happy hour. That's all one word, happy hour. All our episodes, including show notes for each episode, are available on our website, happyhour.fm. 
You can tweet at us at happyhour.fm. That's with a dot spelled out. Happyhour, D-O-T-F-M. Or we can receive email at the same name, happyhourdotfm at gmail.com. It would also be great if you could give us a positive rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That really helps other people find us. See you next week.